You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. Sam Hauser with you till 5 o'clock tonight. Appreciate you hanging out as always. A little bit of sports heaven action going on in Vegas this weekend between the Summer League, the Victor Wembenyama debut tonight in the Summer League at the Thomas and Mac, and down the road in Vegas on the Disneyland for adults side. It's what I call the strip. Over at T-Mobile Arena, it's International Fight Week culminating with UFC 290 tomorrow night, and that's where we find Micah Frankel joining us on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline. Cageminds.com is where you can find his work, and of course, Saturdays from 9 to 10 a.m. on Mike Adams 2.0 as well here on ESPN Radio 1017, the team. So, Micah, before we get into International Fight Week, I'm just curious. I know you're on a different side of town. Summer League's going on at the Thomas and Mac. You're at T-Mobile Arena. But I have to imagine there's some talk and some buzz, even with all the attention on UFC and the fight game, that that whole town is just ready to see Victor Wembenyama tonight, Micah. We got the number one and number two overall picks in the draft debuting. You also have uh, a lot of um, youth basketball tournaments going on out here. So you can see there's a, a huge basketball influence when we were just at the convention center for the UFC Fan Expo, right in the same area, uh, area, but at a different part of the convention center. They did have a youth basketball tournament going on. So you saw a lot of jerseys out there. And, yeah, there's a lot of talk about Wimboyama and strangely enough, he's already had an incident with Britney Spears while being out here. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the whole thing with that—that that fortunately now has been put to uh, been put to bed. We got the security footage on that one. I, I mean, what did you make of that of that whole situation? For, uh, my, my whole thought on this, Micah, was for somebody that was even though it was you know at. It wasn't like it was recently. It was you know years and years ago now. But for somebody who was at one time one of the most famous people on the planet in Britney Spears, I, I mean, I feel like th- this is not to victim shame in this regard. I want to make that very clear. But it was just surprising to me that she would approach Victor Wembanyama the way that she did, knowing how she you know used everybody wanted to get her attention back in the day. I guess you don't learn lessons at some point because you you said it. I don't think that she would have appreciated that kind of approach. So you're surprised that now in a more mature state that she even went down that avenue. But, I I mean, you can't blame a a crack-notch security team. They're told not to let anybody get by the star, and they're just doing their jobs. It's an unfortunate incident. Hopefully, you know, you make the approach in, in the proper manner. All right, so we'll get to uh, UFC 290. That's the culmination of International Fight Week. This is always one of the biggest weeks of the year in UFC for the entire fight game. But just from what you've seen so far, from what you've been around, Micah, what have been some of the highlights so far of International Fight Week? It's a different kind of atmosphere at this event. First, you've got the celebration that's going on for the 30 years all year long from the UFC. Secondarily, with it being International Fight Week, you have so many different fighters from around the world here, not to mention the fan bases, and such a mix of fighters on the card that we're going to see, where you see Australia, Mexico, South Africa, I believe uh, we have an Argentine fighter, a Japanese fighter, and of course a couple Brazilians on the card. So with International Fight Week, you get to see this giant array of international talent here at the card, and just the biggest takeaway from the week is the, the huge breaking news announcement that the UFC made yesterday. They have uh, convinced George Russ St. Pierre to come out of retirement into competition to do 
jiu-jitsu, he'll be part of the Fight Pass Invitational in December. That's the biggest takeaway is that the UFC is bringing the world together and pulling out no stops to make big things happen. And you definitely ought to be all over our, our social media channels at 1017 The Team. You can find us Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Micah Frankel is on the ground in Vegas giving us all these updates, including that news like you mentioned yesterday about George St. Pierre. And there's some other uh, Hall of Fame activity going on this week as well. Is that right, Micah? We did have the Hall of Fame. We'll have some red carpet content. We do have photos already up on Instagram. We got to see... Donald Cowboy Cerrone, we know he's Colorado's own, but trained out in New Mexico, still has the ranch there, and has been an, a crucial part of the success for the Jackson Wink Gym for so many years. We got to see him go into the Hall of Fame alongside the Brazilian legends, Jose Aldo, Anderson Silva. You had the original lightweight champion of the world, Jim Pulver, go in and the fight that was honored this year was the incredible meeting between Bobby Lawler and Rory McDonald. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on individual fights themselves. I mean, I, I, I suppose there's no real comparison that you can make in any other mainstream sport, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious about that because I, I kind of have some mixed feelings about, about that one. You know, your thoughts, Micah, about individual fights themselves getting into the Hall of Fame as well as the fighters. There's an argument to be said is that if you're not a UFC champion, what's your case to be in the Hall of Fame? Now, we look at a Donald Cerrone with his number of wins, with a record number of bonuses. He set himself apart in a different way. But there are fighters like a Clay Guida. Um, we saw Diego Sanchez. There are guys that just don't fully reach that championship level who have these incredible careers and such longevity in the sport that I think that honoring a fight each year gives you the opportunity to say, well, maybe this guy wouldn't have been a Hall of Famer for this reason or that reason, but we're able to honor him because of that fight. So let's jump right into it. The the the, the again the, the finale of International Fight Week tomorrow night UFC 290. Let's jump right into the headline fight the, uh, for the featherweight title: Alexander Volkanovsky and Yair Rodriguez. Just looking at at these two guys, I, I mean, I want to make it clear because I, I always feel like you know if you say something nice about one person, it, it there gives off maybe this connotation that it's something negative about the other one. Alexander Volkanovsky is one of the all-time greats of that sport, but this is going to be a very unique challenge for him in Yair, in Yair Rodriguez, who can attack in so many different ways, and he's coming for that championship belt against Volkanovsky tomorrow night, Micah. How how does Yair, uh, if it is going to happen, how does Yair Rodriguez win this fight? If you believe the masses, if Yair Rodriguez is to unifies the featherweight title to become the world champion. It has to be by knockout. It's his unpredictability. It's his creativity in the moment, like we saw against Chan Sung Jung, to throw that back elbow, uh, to find an opening. If Yair Rodriguez does it, it's in spectacular fashion. But we know that Volkanovski is the number one pound-for-pound fighter in the world and didn't even lose that recognition after a close loss earlier this year, jumping up to try to become the two-division champion. I, I think that you see that it's a guy that's stable in Volkanovski and continues to perfect things. 
but he's been knocked down and he's been hurt in a couple fights. He's always been able to overcome that situation and find a way through it. But the kind of strikes that Yair Rodriguez throws and lands, they have that tendency to not just cause a big moment and hurt a guy, but to lead to the clean knockout. So I'm thinking it has to be a finish from Rodriguez because we've just seen Volkanovski get better and better as rounds and fights go on. And there's two, two title fights tonight. That one, the main event for the featherweight title, Volkanovski and Yair Rodriguez, and then the flyweight as the co-main event, Brandon Moreno and Alexandre Pantoja. Outside of the, of the two title fights, Micah, which one on the card has you the most excited? There are some really intriguing matchups, but you got to go to that main card opener, Bo Nickel taking MMA by storm, 4-0, four first-round finishes. He now has a short-notice opponent on five days' notice, Val Woodburn, and Bo Nickel has been given the respect of being a plus or a minus 2,500 favorite, the biggest favorite in UFC history, taking on a fighter who has seven wins, five finishes, and is jumping in to take his opportunity. That one's a huge story. You can't forget that the former middleweight champion Robert Whitaker is fighting Decris Desclassi, and the winner is reportedly going to get a shot at Israel Adesanya. One more thing I wanted to add is that we also, from Albuquerque, got to think about the local connection that we have to this fight. Because if you go all the way back to 2013, before the first tough Latino season, Yair Rodriguez and Brandon Moreno were training at Jackson Winks. They were there for quite a while before both spreading out to go to other gyms. But there is some local ties to this card at the top of it. And that's why we bring him on. He's Micah Frankel with us on the Daniels Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Cool Take Hotline. CageMinds.com and Mike Adams 2.0, Saturdays 9 to 10 a.m. here on ESPN Radio 1017, the team. Micah, before we get out of here, I did want to get uh, your thoughts and see if you've been hearing anything about this as well. Ariel Hawani put out a tweet earlier this afternoon. His source is telling him that Tyson Fury and Francis Ngannou expected to be announced soon. I look at that and say, I'll believe it when there's advertisements and posters for it. What, if anything, are you hearing about that? I haven't heard anything about that, but the picture in the heavyweight division had to clear up at some point. Wilder looks like he's tied to uh, Andy Ruiz right now. And Fury and Ganu seems to be happening because Fury and Usyk were unable to come to an agreement. You see Usyk versus uh, Usyk versus uh, Shabazz and then Anthony Joshua in a rematch. So when all the big players are finally coming off the table, it looks like the waiting game from Francis and Ganu is actually going to pay off in the way that he ultimately hoped it would would be. Micah, appreciate the time and enjoy the rest of the time out there in Vegas. So great to talk to you, Sam, and everybody be on the lookout. We've got some really cool content we're going to be posting over the next couple days. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely be on top of that this weekend and leading up to and during UFC 290 tomorrow night as well at 1017, the team on our social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I know this is going to be a giant shocker for me to be the skeptic, but I am skeptical about the the success of that one if it does come in I, I mean from a fight standpoint 
there's a lot to be excited about. Tyson Fury, Francis Ngannou, two of the largest people in the fight game, two of the best at what they do, a couple of, of heavyweight champions. But I look at that one, and you know, it speaks to what I always say about sports in general. You can't just put, put two greats together and expect it to work, expect it to go the way that you want it to. Like, you go back to the last super fight, and, I, and there's also a reason, I think, why nothing has really gone on in the world of super fights since then. And this was, gosh, I mean, this was, what, about seven, eight years ago now when with Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor? It was a terrible fight. There was nothing that was memorable or aesthetically pleasing about it. For me, the only thing that was memorable was you know, I was curious to see what would happen for somebody who is as as flamboyant and exudes the confidence that Conor McGregor does, what would happen when he got knocked around a little bit and was on the losing end of that fight. But the fight itself was was terrible. It was it was predictable. Connor flailed away for the first couple of rounds. Floyd let him do that because he's a great defensive fighter. Connor gets tired. Floyd ends the fight, and it was over in what the fifth or sixth round, something along those lines. But it got the buys that it did, and it got the attention that it did because they're two of the best and loudest trash talkers, big loudmouths in the fight game. To the point where they did an international pre-fight press tour. They went up to Canada. They went to Ireland. They went all over the place doing pre doing multiple pre-fight press conferences to just talk back and forth at each other. And Fr- Tyson Fury can do it, but these two are nowhere near that level of of talkers as far as hyping up this fight. The hype would just simply be in. Heavyweight champion of boxing, heavyweight champion of UFC, now they get together, which is going to be, it, it, there's going to be appeal, it maybe even, there, there may or may not even be appeal for people who are fight fans, and they might think it's, it's sullying the both of their names as heavyweight champions and sullying the sport, but there will be some intrigue because people know how good the two of them are, but what sold Conor and Floyd Mayweather was... The was the build up to it was them hyping up their own fights leading up to it. 